2: From WABE in Atlanta, this is City Lights. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for listening. The official portraits of President Barack Obama and Mrs. Michelle Obama that permanently hang in the Smithsonians National Portrait Gallery will arrive in Atlanta for a special exhibition at the High Museum in January. Kehinde Wiley painted President Obama's portrait. The artist who painted the iconic portrait of First Lady Michelle Obama is Amy Sherald, a graduate of Clark Atlanta University. Two months after her painting of Mrs. Obama was unveiled in Washington, Amy Sherald was in Atlanta to receive the High Museum of Art's David Driscoll Prize in 2018. She sat down with me in our WABE studios, and we'll hear that conversation later this hour. Also, Atlanta artist and our teacher, George Galbraith, on his solo exhibition, Bridges at the P2 Gallery. Before we get into my conversation with George Galbraith, I'd like to talk with you about our fall membership drive. You've heard fundraisers like this one we're in now, and you may have thought One day I'll go ahead and donate. Okay, I'm going to suggest today be that day, and here's why. Right now we are in the first, last, and only match of City Lights for the entire fundraiser. Please give now at wabe.org slash donate. And here to tell us more is my colleague Reggie Hicks our director of on-air fundraising and strategic <laughs> initiatives.
1: Thank you so much, Lois. It is really an honor to be here with you. Um, uh, you know, I I came into uh, to Atlanta almost 40 years ago, and I was telling you, you know, off mic when we were uh, talking how much I just appreciate all that you've done and that I grew up a- a- as an Atlantan listening to you on WABE, and I'm just so honored to be here in the studio with you as we talk about why it's so important for you to make that contribution for City Lights, for Lois, particularly today, because we do have, as Lois mentioned, our Cornerstone members match. Now, the Cornerstone members are those, Lois, as you know, that are major donors that give $1,200 or more to the station, and they have come together to provide a $300 match during City Lights today. So that means when you make your contribution, say you give $10 a month as a sustainer, it will be matched for the first year at $120. If you give $50, they'll match that $50. But the most important part is that you are powering City Lights here on WABE. And Lois, one more thing, you know, this match is not just for now, but also tonight at 9 p.m. during the rebroadcast of City Lights. So we are encouraging you to please take a moment right now, go to wabe.org slash donate, or you can give us a call at 678-553-9090.
3: I'm Jennifer Dorian, CEO here at WABE. I wanted to take a minute to remind you of what we provide for Atlanta. We're home to one of the region's strongest newsrooms, generating over 2,600 local stories per year. That's 8 to 12 local stories per day keeping you in the know about politics, business, environment, education, and public affairs. Atlanta has so much going on, and we keep you informed and connected. For decades, we've been providing Metro Atlanta with independent coverage from multiple angles. We bring a diversity of perspectives, and we keep the dialogue civil. I say we do this, but really, it's you. Listeners like you from Atlanta, helping with a financial donation— 84% of our support comes from the local community. We really are a local station fueled by local listeners. So during a fundraiser like this one, we turn to you to ask for help. Because without you, there would be no us. So right now, I'm asking you to consider what WABE means to you. And yes, make a donation in the amount that feels right. Atlanta needs us. And we need you. Please make your donation now. WABE.org slash donate or call 678 553 9090.
4: Thank you. It's NPR's 50th anniversary, and to mark this milestone with your gift right now, we'd like to send you the NPR 50th anniversary mug. It's red on the inside and white on the outside and features the NPR 50th anniversary color logo. It's yours right now with a new monthly gift of $10 or a one time gift of $120. When you give right now, it helps WABE pay for all the programs you love and it also helps us amplify the voices of Atlanta. Please choose this collectible NPR 50th anniversary mug with your gift right now at wabe.org donate or with a call to 678-553-9090. Thank you. And when you give it this
2: moment, your gift will be matched up to $3,500 total. Please donate now at wabe.org slash donate or call 678 553 Thank you. We so appreciate your support of City Lights on WABE. As we aim to support Atlanta's arts and culture community, the pandemic has been very challenging for Atlanta artists, as it has for so many. Students and teachers have had to pivot countless times over the last 19 months, and teachers have had to stretch themselves to the limits in ways as never before. Among those educators struggling through this pandemic is the Atlanta area high school teacher, George Galbraith, chair of the art department at Westlake High School, where he has taught since 2002. His solo exhibition, Bridges through the pandemic, is on view now at the P2 Gallery. The artist joins me now via Zoom, George Galbraith. Welcome back to City Lights.
0: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you.
2: As an educator for almost two decades now, you've faced many challenges. How has this year and a half affected you as a teacher?
0: Um, I can honestly say that like many of my colleagues across the world, honestly, <laughs> that um, I've really considered quitting. Um, uh, this year was so difficult that educators were forced to face the you know worst possible consideration, and that is no students.
2: Oh. And what did you discover about yourself as an educator throughout this time? Well,
0: I know that education is uh, kind of this continuing cycle of kind of reinventing yourself. (laughs) As students and the world changes, we have to uh, pivot. But this was the gigantic pivot. I think everyone can agree with that. So, the amount of technology that we've been forced to use in order to connect with our students has been the most surprising part. But it has definitely been the part that I
2: honestly believe will stay here for the remainder of my career. Wow. I read in some of the prep material that you came to realize that some people thought of teachers as daycare providers yes yes it's um uh, it was a difficult
0: realization i do believe that some people came out of this experience respecting educators more but from what i've seen even as of late i do believe that education is such that it is a big machine and it's going to keep going on whether or not teachers are teaching it feels like I just thought I was a vital part of the student's experience in their life. But this has shown me that, you know, certain, I guess, entities higher up, of course, are uh, willing to jeopardize my safety and the safety of my
2: students. Mm. How has painting helped you express your fears and frustrations during this pandemic? Oh, it's been amazing. Um, (laughs) I actually feel bad for anyone
0: that does not have an outlet, especially educators at the moment. There's a lot of depression and definitely uh, I would imagine uh, we'll see in hindsight that suicide numbers have probably gone up, unfortunately, amongst educators as well. But for me, art has been a complete outlet. I've never poured my personal feelings into my artwork to this degree. I've never been as direct with expressing my feelings and my emotions in my artwork. Typically, it's fairly uh, subliminal and symbolic. I focus more on structures and bridges and things of that nature. So there is a component of me in there. (laughs) But now I have literally incorporated myself, the figure, into the works.
2: What is the significance of bridges in this artwork?
0: I have always been fascinated by bridges just as monumental as they are ever since I was a little kid I'm sure many kids you know drive under the bridge and you're looking up and you're just fascinated by the the you know giganticness of it but for me representing structure and representing the actual bridge definitely speaks to bringing communities together definitely speaks to in some instances separating communities but in this instance it's more about the journey Uh, We are all on this journey together, even though we are all on our own personal journey. (laughs) But that bridge represents all the different stages of that journey as we cross across this pandemic.
2: You mentioned that there is a figurative component to these paintings. How else would you describe this artwork and the colors you use? I've been a big fan of Favism, uh, historic
0: art style, um, working with not only the use of strong, vibrant color, but also structure in terms of the strokes and style and whatnot. But with this work, I was forced to uh, stay in a bit. (laughs) I I really do appreciate uh, plein air type of creation where I'm out amongst the artwork, where I'm out amongst the landscapes and things of that nature. But With us being inside, I had to look inward a bit. These bridges are the ones that I rendered um, in the backgrounds of the figure actually are in different locations of people that mean a great deal to me. I believe that all of us during this quarantine and during the various different times we've been inside the house have been almost on a journey with the people that we know pulling from all the different things that we've learned throughout our lives just to survive this. And the artwork definitely speaks to how I'm dealing with it and what structures represent those individuals in the designs.
2: Hmm. Some of the names of the paintings, such as balance, chaos, loneliness, are very evocative. Are these your feelings you were expressing, or was it something larger and meant for all? These were my feelings. However, during our
0: exhibit at P2 Gallery, all of those stages in the series represent my own personal experience, but people were able to point out where they, they were in that process.
2: You mentioned the opening. I know there was a dance performance by Lindsay Renee. What can you tell us about that piece?
0: Well, I was as surprised as the individuals that experienced it firsthand. Uh, Lindsay went to um, Howard University as well, and I'm also uh, a graduate of Howard. And it just was fascinating to see people interact with the dancers. They perform not only in the gallery space, but they transition the dance out into the uh, tent area that we had that was sponsored by Elevate. And we had a projection component of my work displayed on the walls of the tent. So I loved how the shadow of the dancers was appearing like kind of larger than life amongst my artwork. All the dancers were interpreting the experiences of the pandemic that were represented in my artwork. And uh, just to see it in that form was, uh, yeah, it was amazing.
2: Oh, it must have been thrilling. So the dance was actually created from the choreographer's viewing of your paintings.
0: Exactly. And uh, she's an educator as well. So she spoke with her students and um, the dancers that she was working with about how they interpret their experience, not only with my work, but also with the pandemic. And through that interpretation, they were able to come up with their various different moves. She, of course, uh, worked to kind of corral the choreography in such a way that it it spoke to, I believe, uh, everyone in the audience and everyone that experienced it.
2: Well, what you're saying is so important to, how can we describe it? Why is it essential for students to have the arts as a part of a well-rounded education? Well, I had a
0: firsthand experience with that, and so did one of my students. Um, <laughs> so in the classroom where I was taking the photographs and the pictures for the reference images for the works, one of my students said, let me grab my camera. And I did not know to what degree he had an eye and talent for photography because I taught you know a different subject with him. And um, the works, the photos were so great that I decided to have him take all the reference photos for the series. And as he was creating those, we decided we were gonna put them on display. And um, we printed them and took him through the um, process of framing them. He sold every single photograph that he took of me. Um, And now he understands the value of, you know, visual arts and that he can make a career out of it.
2: And in what other ways have you helped your students channel their emotions, their frustrations with this past year's turmoil into expressing those feelings through art? I
0: have been uh, amazed
2: by what
0: my students have been willing to share And I've been surprised by what they haven't with our artwork, especially in our AP and IB art classes, we really try to get the students to deal with topics, even if they're not being very direct with it, uh, more symbolic, but some students are unwilling. Some students have bottled that up and they're just trying to graduate and they're just trying to get through this experience. But those students who have let it out have talked about how therapeutic it is. They are dealing with their feelings and emotions that they're going through because, you know, for their generation and their age group, it's so important to their development. So I'm, I'm a little worried about those to keep it bottled in, but um, I'm prayerful that they're going to be
2: able to have an outlet of some sort. Atlanta educator and artist George Galbraith, his solo exhibition, Bridges Through the Pandemic, Is on view now at the P2 Gallery through October 24th. There will be a closing reception and artist talk on the 24th at 3 p.m. In a moment, we'll listen back to some of my interview with the award-winning painter Amy Sherald. If you're just tuning in, this is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for listening. And thanks to all of you who are donating to WABE now and supporting City Lights this hour. Your gift not only funds City Lights, but right now at this minute with just 35 minutes remaining... We are in a cornerstone match. Here's my colleague Reggie Hicks, our Director of Honor Fundraising and Strategic Initiatives. Reggie, will tell you more about how this works.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Lois. Yes, we are in a cornerstone match, and it's very simple. We have a number of our ma- uh, major donors uh, who are a member of our Cornerstone Society, and they have come together to match your contribution during this time and this time only. So if you make a $75 contribution, that's going to be matched. If you make a $5 a month sustainer, they'll match that, effectively making it $60. And we can do this, and we will do this, until we get to that $3,500 goal. But we're not quite there yet. And, Lois, right now, we still have about $3,200 remaining in the match. So we need you to go to the phone and make that commitment right now, by calling 678-553-9090, that's 678-553-9090, or you can go to org slash donate.
2: When we are talking about the Cornerstone members who make this possible, we're talking about people like Penelope and Raymond mm-hmm. McPhee, Garrett Ponder, Norman Slosky and Marcia Abrams, Raymond Strickus, Jerry and Karen Thomas. Thanks to them and thanks to your donation. We can continue to hear wonderful programming such as City
3: Lights. I'm Faith Saley of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me and Dunwoody, Georgia, here with a short comedic observation from Atlanta's very own Dad's Garage.
4: Had you guys heard about that Broadway musical that's coming to town? Oh, yeah, I heard about it. Uh, Lois was talking about it on City Lights. Oh, well, I was too busy listening to Lois. She was telling me actually about a new restaurant opening up. She was telling me about the coolest comedy club in town. Did you see her touchdown for the Atlanta Falcons? It was incredible. I heard she invented Ziploc bags. Do you yeah. remember when she fixed the seventy five eighty five bridge after it caught on fire? Well, she was holding it up with her own two arms. Yeah. did you guys know that the Grady curve used to be just one parallel line and she actually bent it? Wow, wow. she made the curve She really knows everything about Atlanta. like she's been everywhere, right? Yeah., yeah. Uh, don't move. Um is Lois behind me? Yeah. She's behind you too. Uh, at the same time. She's everywhere. She has a sign that says Donate." Oh, it must be for W-A-B-E. Oh, their fund drive. Yeah, they rely on listeners like us. I mean, guys, we gotta get more Lois. Donate. Donate. Donated. Done. We love you, Lois.
3: That fundraising moment was courtesy of Dad's Garage. And y'all, in the name of gender equality, I want to point out that moms also have garages. Hey Atlanta. Supporting WABE really is important and it is so easy. Here's how.
1: It is very easy for you to, to make that contribution at WABE.org slash donate, or you can call six seven eight five five three ninety ninety. And Lois, we do love you and you are everywhere. I tell oh, you. Oh, <laughs> thank you. You know, Lois, you've you've been here host of City Lights and and a colleague and at uh, WABE since 1979. And in November, uh, you will have been with WABE for 42 years. And we just so appreciate what you do. And during that time, you know, Lois, you have interviewed many people. And no doubt, we have all learned a lot of things as we've listened to you over the years. So this is a sketch from Dad's Garage. We want to thank them for uh, providing that for us. And if you didn't know, yes, Lois did invent the Ziploc bags. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually true. <laughs> I love the
2: folks at that. Thank you.
1: And remember, when you give, it has power. You know, everything you give here at the WABE really powers the program, uh, uh, and this program like City Light. So please take a moment and give right now at WABE.org donate, and we thank you.
2: City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Wrights. It's great to have you along. The award-winning artist Amy Sherald is known for painting African Americans in everyday settings. The Georgia native's image of former First Lady Michelle Obama that hangs in the National Portrait Gallery in Washington earned her the distinction of being the first black artist to paint a first lady for the prestigious collection. When Sherald was awarded the High Museum's David Driscoll Prize in 2018, she was in Atlanta and visited WABE City Lights. Here she describes what it was like to be commissioned for such a monumental work. When you get asked to do something
5: that's this big of a deal, I think the most important thing for me, and I think um, most people would say this, is that you, you don't change anything that you would normally do for any other painting, right? And so we made a date for the shoot and I didn't have any, any plans outside of what I knew she was gonna wear because I'd already worked with her stylist. We went through about 11 dresses before we figured out four and then we picked two and we had two made and I chose to photograph her in the Millie dress first so I really I didn't go in with any plans outside of the fact that I coordinated to photograph her outside because I like photographing in natural sunlight and I knew what she was going to wear. So I knew I had an hour maybe an hour and 15 minutes. And so we we just went through a series of poses and that's what I normally do because it takes time for whoever I'm photographing to warm up a little bit. Of course it was obviously a little bit easier for her yeah. because she's you know, she's in the limelight all of the time. Um, but it's still, I think, you know, working with me, is still a little more, a lot more intimate, actually, I would say, you know, so we started standing and then ended up sitting, but yeah, I don't, I just knew, I knew the pose when I saw it and it, and it was, it was much more than the pose, but she had for me expressed something in that moment that kind of gave me an insight into her interiority. Well, the- um, you know, I think there's, we, we all have, you know, people know us in the world in different ways, right? And a lot of people know her, you know, if you go online, you look, it's just images of her smiling, you know, there's thousands and thousands of images of her smiling. And in that moment, I don't know, she just felt very present in herself. And it felt like, you know, I wanted to, as a portrait painter, you have the capacity to capture something that is not captured in photography. It's just, it, it's, it's a very different feeling. And in that moment, that's, that's what I saw. It was something that I, a, a piece of her or an expression or a kind of energy that I hadn't picked up in any of the other photographs that I had seen of her online or even, you know, for the interview for the whole process. I spent a half an hour with her and Barack at the White House. You know, I, I hadn't seen that part of her either. So it just felt very intimate.
2: Stepping back further. When you got the phone call, Mm -hmm. or I assume it was a phone call. Yeah, it was. It was a phone call. Was it from her personally?
5: It was, no, it was from Dorothy Moss at the National Portrait Gallery. Okay.
2: Yeah. What was your reaction? I mean, clearly you're an established artist. Mm -hmm. You had won that big prize for portraiture in 2016. Mm -hmm. But this is Michelle Obama. Yeah.
5: (laughs) Well, honestly, I was in my studio painting. And they told me, and I just kind of sat there for a second. I'm like, okay, okay, you know. I really didn't know what to say. I was, honestly, I was speechless. And we talked for a second, <laughs> we got off the phone. And I went and sat on my couch. And then I turned to my dog, August Wilson, and I was like...
2: That is such a fabulous
5: name. <laughs> I was like, dog. your mom's going to be famous. And that means you're going to be famous, too. You need your own Instagram page, you know. But yeah, it was just a silly moment. I don't, I don't think... I, yeah, I was speechless, I'm almost inappropriately unemotional when things happen like this in my oh. life, you know. I'm almost that person where, you know, the times that I did feel it was like when I was sitting at a red light in my car and all of a sudden it would hit me and I would like kind of tear up and cry cuz I would just feel Aww. really just how how lucky I was just to be alive to like experience this this moment, you know. But then on the other hand, I'm like, of course she would choose me because it makes sense. And I don't mean that, like, with any hubris <laughs> at all. But I'm like, you know, I've been through so much in my life. It's like, why wouldn't I survive to 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 be this, this woman, you know, to carry this legacy forward for
2: her? Sure. At the unveiling, you said that once you complete a portrait, the model no longer lives in that painting as themselves, but mm-hmm. as something bigger, something symbolic. How... Did you arrive at using portraiture as a way to approach larger concepts?
5: Well, I mean as a as a painter and, you know, looking back at art history, you become very aware of the absence of yourself in these images in art history books, right? So, you know, in studying art history, you look at European portrait painting and you see images of aristocracy And a lot of the people of color that are in these paintings are usually the slaves or the servants of these people, right? And so for me, I connected to these images as a painter, but never really connected them as like seeing an an expression of who I was or an idealized version of myself. And I did not come across those images until I found some photographic uh, or, or photographs of black families and black people after the invention of the camera. So these daguerreotypes and... You know, so um, the invention of the camera came a way for us to create our own narrative and to photograph ourselves the way that we wanted to be seen versus, you know, the racial propaganda that was, that was being pushed out at the, at the same time. And so those photographs for me connected me to a different kind of history and one that was extricated from the dominant historical narrative. You know, so I, was, I saw love, I saw families, I saw, you know, I saw myself. I saw images that I could relate my contemporary life to. So as a painter and as a person who is committed to critiquing the narrative of art history and committed to painting black people for that reason, you know, it's, it just becomes the obvious thing to do. I mean, and painting is such a privileged thing. It was something that was only um, allotted to those who could afford it for such a long time. Sure. And so documenting everyday people is my way of correcting the narrative. Yeah. Yeah.
2: The renowned painter Amy Sherald will return with more of our conversation in just a moment. You're tuned to City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes. If you've been listening this hour, you'll know we are in a cornerstone society match. This is where your gift is effectively doubled. If you give $25, it will be matched with $25. Give $200, and it will be matched with $200. So please help us out right now if you can. With just 22 minutes remaining this hour, we're trying to do what we can. I'm delighted to be with Reggie Hook. Reggie Hicks, our Director of On-Air Fundraising. You can see how excited I am. <laughs> Reggie Hicks is our Director of On-Air Fundraising and Strategic Initiatives.
1: Thank you so much, Lois. And, yes, we are getting close. Um, as a matter of fact, we have uh, we are $2,800 away from our goal. Uh, so we want you to take a moment right now to give at wabe.org. Uh, slash donate or call 678-553-9090. And if you're looking for a good investment in life, a smart financial decision, well, this is it. And best of all, you're helping to power WABE in one of the most effective ways possible, and that is at uh, org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. And one more thing, if you're listening this evening, uh, listening to the rebroadcast of City Lights, we please know that we have got another $3,500 on the table to match with your gift as well. So please take a moment right now. And also I'd like to give a quick thanks to our Cornerstone Society members who have come together to make this uh, match possible. And their membership costs about $3 a day. Your membership costs about $3 a day if you join us right now and uh, power. W-A-B-E. So, please give generously as you can. wab org, or you can call 678-553-9090. And thank you so much.
0: I'm Zane Coburn and I live in Ansley Park in Atlanta. When I was a kid, growing up, listening to W A B
5: E,
2: driving with my parents I'd always say, can we please change the radio station? My parents would always say, absolutely not. And because of that, I am now fully enveloped in uh, all the the offerings that WABE has to all the kids listening with parents right now please take heart it gets better and to Zane and his parents thank you hey no matter how long you've been listening You're here now because you've made listening to WABE a priority. And when you want to know about the latest concerts, exhibit openings, or comedy shows, you tune to City Lights. We make it a priority to share the latest and greatest arts and culture news in Atlanta. So now we're asking you to make donating a priority during a fundraiser like this. We ask that you take a moment to consider how much the station, the programming means to you and donate whatever you can. If it's your first time, we welcome your membership. Go to wabe.org slash donate or please call six seven eight five five three ninety
1: ninety. 553 9090 You know, Lois, we are $2,700 away uh, from getting that match. We want to thank everybody uh, who's come in and made that contribution uh, this morning, particularly Sherry and Fayetteville, June and Decatur. Thank you so much. Uh, we found that most of our new sustainers, if you are one, if you're thinking about uh, giving level, give it about a, a $10 a month. That's $120 a year. So we encourage you to give at that level or at any level that's affordable for you. And you do that first by going to wabe.org slash donate. Of course, you can give us a call at 678-553-9090. And we thank you.
2: My name is Ashley Derrick, and I live in the East Lake neighborhood of Atlanta. I'm a Cornerstone member because I should be. I, I don't think that... I should get it for free. It's something really when you listen to every day, day and night, on the weekends, you really want to be able to support your local radio station. And so $100 a month rather than 30 or 40, for us it was not a huge jump and we felt like WAB deserved it. You can amplify your gift as a Cornerstone Society member with a tax-deductible con- contribution at wabe.org donate or call 678-553-9090. That Cornerstone membership will come out to $3 a day, less than the price of your pumpkin spice latte or whatever libation you enjoy. But hey, if making a one-time gift is better for you, we get it and we would welcome it. Any amount you decide to give will help us pay for the programmings you value. Help City Lights continue to have enriching conversations like the one you just heard with the renowned painter Amy Sherald. Please give now and your contribution will be matched at 678-553-9090.
1: And thank you so much, Lois. Again, the cornerstone match is still on the table. So, again, when you get $50, uh, you will be matched at $50 or $10 a month as a sustainer. Whatever you can afford, uh, we need to hear from you right now as we count down to this match, which is will be done at the top of the hour. at So uh, you still have an opportunity to stop what you're doing and help if you're able at wabe.org slash donate or please give us a call at 678-553-9090. And we thank you in advance for your contribution. <music>
2: This is City Lights. on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for listening. Let's return to my conversation with the award-winning artist Amy Sherald. Here, she speaks to the importance of representation in our country's most prestigious museums.
5: It's really about nurturing young people that are going to be interested in the arts, and that are going to grow up going to museums and therefore changing. Um, So museums are gonna have to change because their audience is is gonna be changing too. And so, you know, having images of people other than white men
2: in those spaces is very important. If you've just joined us, this is City Lights, I'm Lois Reitzes. Our guest is artist Amy Sherald, We'll hear more from the Driscoll Prize-winning painter after a short break. You're tuned to WABE Atlanta. We are back with City Lights here on member-supported 90.1 WABE. I'm Lois Wrights, joined by artist Amy Sherald. The Georgia native painted the official portrait of First Lady Michelle Obama, for the Smithsonian's National Portrait Gallery. The High Museum's Driscoll Prize, Amy, honors contributions of art to the African diaspora. Mm -hmm. In your approach to race, you downplay color. You utilize grayscale when you paint skin. What's possible in the conversation about race via painting when it's no longer about color? Um, well,
5: you know, when I, when I first started making this work, I knew that the conversation, because they were um, paintings of black people, would automatically, uh, they would be marginalized and I wanted to make these archetypes that could exist in the world universally. And so, you know, the construction of race, like once you understand race, you understand that it's the construction, it's, it's not real. It was something that was employed um, for capitalist reasons. And so it's a critique on that, but it's also a way for me to, to search out these intersections where I exist in a way. So, um, you know, I always say that I'm, I'm on this journey in life. Um, you're born with a gender. Um, you're kind of told what to think, who to worship, and what context that you live in, and, like, where, where do you belong? What are your limitations based on the fact that you're a woman or you're a black woman or whatever? Um, you already know what it's like to fall in love because you've heard love songs since you were five years old, you know? And so... Um, you know, when I, when I started these paintings, you know, I was, in the, I was five years into having congestive heart failure. Um, I didn't really feel as if I was going to live past 40 years old because my heart function was so low. I know how difficult it is to, to get organs and wait for organs. Um, and so I was really on an existential journey. And this body of work is kind of a part of that journal and a part of that conversation of who, who would we be Without all of the external directives, you know, it's like you grow up knowing that you're black because other people look at you that way. But if no one ever looked at you that way and treated you in a certain way, you never had to be taught how to live and exist in certain spaces. Then, if if that wasn't so much a part of your identity, then you know, looking at the the crooks and the crannies of of, of who you really are and how you really exist in the world, and so. Um, I want these images to live in spaces where they can be commentary to Black people. They can be um, they can walk into a museum and rest their eyes on somebody that's looking back and reflecting love to them. But it's they're also didactic in the sense that um, viewers who are non-Black can approach the image and have a conversation um, and maybe not necessarily relate to the image first because of because they are black people. I know we relate to each other phenotypically, but, you know, so, so maybe in a way be able to internalize who these people are without um, thinking about or dissecting them first based on their skin color.
2: Has anyone challenged you on that, um, saying, well, why not celebrate? Our varying skin colors. I mean, Mrs. Obama has a gorgeous complexion. She has beautiful skin. Mm-hmm. Is gray the answer to promoting greater acceptance among people?
5: I don't know if it's the answer. You know, I'm not, I'm not in here to, I'm not doing this to, you know, create answers. Um, and I'm a painter first. And so, you know, when I made these paintings, the first thing I think about is color, not my skin color, but just color in general and what makes a beautiful painting. And so the gray skin for me made a beautiful painting. Mm -hmm. It also um, connected me back to those images that I saw, those black and white photographs. And then you're thinking about the images that I looked at growing up of my grandmother. Um, And so, you know, you make work first and then there's a discourse that happens around the work and that's just part of the discourse. You know, those are the questions that, that we can pose. Um, does it matter that the skin is brown? Um, what does it mean if it's not? How do people view these images if they are gray? You know, obviously they're still black. You can't escape that, you know? Um, so those are, you know, I'm really posing questions and trying to live my way into the answer versus these are the answers and you should think of this this way and you should look at my paintings and interpret them this way because they don't exist for that reason.
2: Art is there to raise questions Mm -hmm. and and for us to question beliefs ourselves. Mm -hmm. The unveiling was in February. You are being honored tonight. Has the hubbub died down yet for you? No. <laughs> Do you like the hubbub, Amy? You know, I'm a,
5: I am a, I'm a little bit introverted. I've learned how to extrovert pretty well, I think. Um, I don't mind it, no. For me, it's, it's special to me for, for one reason, one specific reason. There's many, but this one in particular is because there are a lot of young people who are excited to meet me. And they're excited to meet me, and I'm not a rapper and I'm not a basketball player. And so they're seeing, uh, you know, they're looking at me and, th- and thinking, like, I can do this, too. And for me, that's what matters most. I've received letters while I was making the portrait from students from all over. This particular school was a uh, charter school in Tennessee. And they never had any interest in the arts, and now they're interested in the arts. And they were wow. excited to see this painting. And so, you know, I really made this painting for them, you know, so that... When they go on these field trips, just like I went on the field trip in the sixth grade, and the first time I ever saw a painting with a black person in it was at the Columbus Museum, but it was by painter Bill Bartlett, and he had painted um, himself, uh, self portrait as himself as a black man. And that really, up until that moment, I don't even think I realized that I'd never seen a painting without a black person in it, honestly. But it shook me to my core. You know, I don't remember much from my childhood, but I remember that moment specifically. I remember everything about that painting. I remember the title of it. And uh, it it gave I I left that museum with a vision mm-hmm. of like what I wanted to do and that I wanted my paintings to be big. And I, you know, I wanted them to kind of have the same kind of narrative feeling. And I didn't have that vocabulary then, but it definitely, you know, it set forth something that brought me to this
2: moment here, sitting in this chair talking to you. And you knew you weren't going to become your dad's dental partner.
5: I wasn't, yeah, he tried, (laughs) poor guy. I know, I totally disappointed him. He would (laughs) tutor me in biology, he had a master's degree in biology, and I would take those tests and like bring back a C minus every time.
2: (laughs) Artist Amy Sherald, from her 2018 visit to WABE, You can hear our interview in its entirety on our website, wabe.org slash City Lights. Okay, so this is it. We are down to the wire, and we've still got some money left in this cornerstone match with about five and a half minutes remaining in the hour to do so, so... When you give to WABE right now, you'll get. That's because donations are being matched right now. I'm joined once again by Reggie Hicks, our Director of on-air Fundraising and Strategic Initiatives.
1: Thank you very much, Lois. And uh, we are getting very, very close. We've got about $800 left in our challenge. So uh, we want to thank our... um, Cornerstone members for making that contribution uh, and matching up to $3,500. So if you're listening right now, uh, give uh, for the love and appreciation of WABE and for the value you find in City Lights. And we're so, so close. And we've had such a good response, Lois, from all of our listeners this hour. And we want just, to just, just thank uh, Nicole from Woodstock and Barbara from Covington and June from Decatur, I want to thank Carol from Marietta and Anthony from Milner, Georgia, for uh, coming uh, and being a part of our challenge this morning. And you can lend a hand as well by going to wabe.org donate, or you can give us a call at 678-553-9090. And as always, we thank you in advance for your contribution. I'm Robert Little with NPR's Investigations Unit. NPR, along with colleagues in Atlanta and Kansas City, won a Pulitzer Prize this year for the podcast No Compromise. This deeply reported story about an extreme corner of the gun debate was a collaboration between NPR and stations like this one. Help us bring you more first-rate journalism by donating. Here's how. By
2: going to wabe.org donate. And that Atlanta partnership Robert Little just mentioned was with WABE and our very own Lisa Hagen. W-A-B-E and NPR are honored to have won the Pulitzer this year. And if you've heard these fundraisers before, you've heard a sentence like, we can't do it without you. This is the type of award-winning reporting that we're talking about. And now, in these four minutes remaining, when you donate to W-A-B-E, your contribution will be matched. Call 678-553-9090 or wabe.org slash donate online. Reggie?
1: And when you do give $10 a month, uh, that will make you a WABE sustainer? And it really is the best way to give. And here's why. That $10 may seem small, but it really allows us to make future plans more accurately, knowing that we have a commitment from you, the listener, becoming a donor. And so we suggest this $10 a month because that's the about the amount that seems to work best for most of our listeners. But, look, you know what works for you financially. And we're only asking you that you give generously as you can at wabe.org slash donate. It will help us not just to pay for City Lights, but it will also help WABE amplify the voices of Atlanta. And if you didn't know, nearly 84% of the funding comes from the metro Atlanta area. So it's really important that you go now, particularly now that we have the match on the table. Lois, I am happy to report we are about $500 (gasps) or so away from our match. So two and a half minutes. Two and a half minutes to go. WABE.org slash donate or... You can give us a call as well. So we're looking to hear from you, and um, we hope you do it right now.
4: When you donate to WABE right now, we'd like to send you the NPR 50th Anniversary Commemorative Tote Bag. Yours with a gift of $15 a month. It has both a large zippered compartment and a smaller front pocket, and it features the NPR 50th Anniversary Color logo. That's with a new gift of $15 a month or a one-time gift of $180. When you donate to WABE, you're helping pay for the programs you appreciate, and you're helping us amplify the voices of Atlanta. Please give now at wabe.org slash donate or phone 678-553-9090. Thank you.
0: My name is Adwin Cassana and I
4: live in Vining. My favorite personality is Lois Rice. City Lights uh, with Lois Reitz,
0: it's arts, it's entertainment. She highlights, you know, that local and that local artist. She shines light on them, and so I think there's a great appreciation for that. If I could say anything to Lois, it's thank you.
2: Well, thank you, Adeline from Vinings, and we look forward to thanking you when you donate at six seven eight five five three ninety ninety or online at wabe.org.
1: And we've just got about uh, how many minutes left to go? One minute left to go. We want to thank Stephanie of Atlanta, Sandra of Lawrenceville. We're just a couple hundred dollars away from making our cornerstone match this uh, morning. So give us a call right now at 678-553-9090, or you can go to wabe.org slash donate. And we thank you in advance for your contribution.
2: Okay, less than a minute, but with. A number of you pledging what's comfortable for you, and maybe that's 5 or $10 a month, we can make that. 678-553-9090 or online at wabe.org. And thank you so much for supporting and listening to 90.1 WABE, Atlanta's choice for NPR.